0: what is up welcome to another edition of the fantasy live show it is the flagship show i am glad you are here my name is marcus grant and we are certainly excited to be joining you as we get ready to start week three of course as we go through the next hour in a cavalcade of fantasy and betting fun i am not going to be doing this by myself thank goodness for that i am joined by three very smart intelligent funny handsome gentlemen ian harditz Dwayne McFarlane and Matthew Friedman. And you know, Friedman, Look, we are through two weeks of the season. I know week one is a overreaction in one direction. Week two seems to be overreaction in the other direction. So now it's week three. And I assume that we know everything
1: there is to know about the NFL this year, correct? Absolutely false. This is overconfidence week <laughs> where uh, your, your buyer, your, your priors and, and all your biases are confirmed uh, and you think you know now because you have two data points. Uh, but we still still really don't know.
0: We really don't know at all, but we're going to try our best to make some sense of what we have seen so far. And let's start with our week three check-in as we sort of look at the expectations versus reality. And we'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals because through the first two weeks, offensively especially, the reality has not met up with the expectations. I mean, Ian, when you look at the Bengals and you look at Joe Burrow specifically, Are you able to pinpoint exactly
2: what is going on with this group? I mean at this point I really hope the calf is a problem because if it's not we have some even more serious questions to be asking I mean think about how the entire offseason so much was made about Joe Mixon being washed and how inefficient he was and if you could go to those Bengals fans and say hey by week three a Joe Mixon carry will be yielding more yards on average than a Joe Burrow pass attempt I'm sure they'd be thinking that Joe Mixon would absolutely be crushing it unfortunately that is not the case so dead last in yards per play 28th in EPA per play it's horrific right now and honestly, we just better hope that Burrow gets that calf right so I keep finding myself going back to those kind of just a preseason comment from Jamar Chase talking about the calf injury and him just saying he almost wished Joe Burrow would wait a little bit longer to make sure he comes back at a 100% you know just health and it seems like they're not going to be taking that route so get better Joe because again guys had to uh, go to kind of the depth chart to find out who's going to be up in case Burrow does miss time and I don't want to find out what the Jake Browning era is going to look like if it comes to that so really just hoping we a healthier Joe Burrow out out here.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the answer to that trivia question is Jake Browning. He is the next man up if Joe Burrow can't go. I mean, Dwayne, it's not just about Joe Burrow. I mean, a lot hinges on this. People are heavily invested in Jamar Chase, in T Higgins. I mean, Joe Mixon has looked pretty good the first couple of weeks, all things considered, but this almost feels like worst case scenario that Burrow right now is trying to maybe gut it out, maybe play through this injury if he can't go we'll see browning but i don't know about you Dwayne. i would almost rather have the Bengals just say you know what we're going to sit him down for a month let this thing get healed as opposed to us doing this dance every week because it does impact so many other things around him
3: yeah i think it's a tough call obviously for the Bengals, looking at their record right now i don't think i don't think they feel they're in a position where they can do that um and then when you look at burrow it's not just about being on the field for the games They need him to practice because I think that's a big part of what's going on. Really, Joe Burrow was not part of training camp, like his timing, all those things that happen with his wide receivers. Yeah, they have played with each other for a long time, but you have to get the reps in to really be crisp, right? And be on your game um, and, you know, at the the NFL level. So I think it's just something where it's he's going to try to tough it out. It does sound like it shouldn't be a performance issue, but there is a risk of re-aggravating it worse if he plays this week. So maybe we get our answer either way, Marcus, but I I do believe the key is it can't just be a game day thing. Like you need this guy practicing to really get the Bengals offense going. As far as fantasy goes, I think long-term for the course of the season, like the Bengals offense is going to be okay. I do think it's a bit tough to say exactly when that is going to click though
0: that's kind of the question i think people right now they want we all want short-term answers right i mean especially if you're playing fantasy it is a week-to-week game and if you're struggling through jamar chase the first couple of weeks you want to know when things are going to get right i mean friedman for you at least if you're taking the long-term view of it uh how where is your panic meter right now on say jamar chase t higgins at all in cincinnati
1: I mean, it's not quite at a 10. I I never go the full 10, but it's, it's above five, you know, it's probably around eight and a half, because if you look at the schedule, they have the bye in week seven and they play after the Rams, they play the Titans, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. In theory, they could talk themselves into thinking that they could win some of those games with Joe Burrow on the bench. And so they might be thinking, Hey, we could give him a solid month through the week seven bye to recuperate. If that happens, a lot of these teams are shot. And I know that Jake Browning was with the Bengals last year as a backup quarterback. So you might think, okay, well, he at least knows the system, but the Bengals don't really have a system. Like Zach Taylor does not have a system. His system is, hey, Joe Burrow, go be awesome. And, (laughs) you know, even when Burrow is out there right now with the calf injury, he has not been his typical Burrow self. And so like even if we see Burrow gut it through, we have, to, we have to downgrade our expectations for what we will see out of this offense. And if it's not Burrow, if it's Jake Browning, the drop-off just in terms of the point spread from Burrow to Browning is as large as almost any delta between a starting quarterback and a backup as we will see in the league. So I'm, I'm significantly worried about this.
0: And I think the other thing, and Dwayne kind of made an allusion to it, is that you sort of have to look at the standings if you're the Bengals. You're 0-2 right now. You've got the Ravens at 2-0 who could rip off a whole bunch of wins in a row and really put some distance between themselves and everybody else in the division. We know the AFC is loaded. It's going to be very competitive to make the playoffs. So Cincinnati right now in a very tough spot trying to figure out what to do with their franchise quarterback. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, the 49ers have very little concerns about Christian McCaffrey. He continues to be great. He is the number one fantasy player on a lot of boards. Uh, Ian, look, I I don't even know what to ask about (laughs) him. Christian McCaffrey is very good. So I'm just going to open the floor up and let you spew a lot of good things about about CMC.
2: CMC, yeah, he's all right, but yeah, guys, seriously, going into the season, number one running back in NFL history already in terms of fantasy points per game, but as we saw over the years when he was with the Panthers, I mean, let's face it, those teams in the older Cam Newton stage of things were never all that good out there, so it's these kind of empty stats sometimes, McCaffrey just getting asinine usage, looking great with it, but never exactly being, you know, the featured engine of what was, you know, a good NFL team, now, We're starting to get that same usage on a 49ers offense that's potentially the best schemed and one of the most potent groups in the entire league. So Dwayne and I were actually trying to break this down. I know he's got some fantastic utilization metrics he's going to throw at you guys in just a second. But talking after the game on Sunday night, like we were trying to figure out a comp for McCaffrey because again, even before this with the 49ers, arguably the most productive running back ever in terms of fantasy points per game. And at this point, it's like, okay, 2023 Christian McCaffrey might as well just be a rich man's Christian McCaffrey because he was already that good in the first place so you know prime Ladanian Tomlinson maybe like that's what we're honestly working with here guys so I get it you know it's not like Christian McCaffrey wasn't our RB1 before seeing some of this usage but you know just when you couldn't think this guy could be even any better at fantasy football he goes ahead and shows us what he can do
0: I mean Friedman he is absolutely the RB1 right now I think when we were going through draft season we spent a lot of time talking about Justin Jefferson at number one overall, maybe Jamar Chase. I've seen people talk about Tyreek Hill at number one. We were talking about McCaffrey as maybe the third or fourth pick. Is it, is it amazing? Is it wild to think that, you know, if you got McCaffrey at three or four, you might have got one of the biggest values in fantasy football through the first two weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that value has even increased since then with the injury to Nick Chubb, the injury to Austin Eckler, the, uh, potential underperformance of Derek Henry, uh, Bijan Robinson, not getting the full workload in Atlanta, like Christian McCaffrey has basically catapulted himself into a tier of his own at the running back position. I mean, and Dwayne will hit on it with all of the utilization that he's getting, you know, it, it is like the super version of what we saw last year in terms of the usage. And I got to say from a sports betting perspective, we know that the MVP is a quarterback award, but this is a weird year. Quarterbacks are kind of underperforming. The 49ers look amazing. There is a chance that they get the number one seed without Brock Purdy really being the guy in that offense. And if that happens with Christian McCaffrey having the type of season worthy of getting offensive player of the year, he might be very live to win MVP, especially with the the sports writers who vote on this thinking, you know what, let's throw running backs a bone, like with the <sighs> league shifting back a little bit more towards running backs. If McCaffrey balls out, he's going to be live for MVP. And I have a ticket on him. I bet it yesterday, 80 to one Christian McCaffrey to win MVP. I
0: mean, he has been that great through the first two weeks. And If there was one quibble I sort of had with him before the season, it wasn't even about him. It was just the fact that last year when he got to San Francisco, he was playing about two-thirds of the snaps. That's not a bad number, but it's not what we were used to seeing when he was in Carolina. But, Dwayne, at least through the first couple of weeks, that utilization seems a little bit closer to what he was getting
3: with the Panthers. I mean, talk about what you've seen so far in that respect. I I have one number for you, 100%. 100% 100% of the snaps like the guy doesn't leave the field ever and last year we did have a little bit of a concern like Elijah Mitchell was a guy that the coaching staff clearly wanted to have involved he was very explosive and in those games where Elijah Mitchell was active we saw a pretty dramatic drop-off for CMC in his fantasy points per game because his utilization came down in the games where we didn't have Elijah Mitchell he was still the best player in fantasy Well, now basically what we're seeing is they are going all in on McCaffrey this year. Mitchell is not getting much work at all. And he's out there for all of the high leverage situations. Like he doesn't leave the field inside the five yard line. So he's going to have plenty of chances to score touchdowns. He was losing a lot of those last year. He's staying out there on all the passing downs, all the two-minute offense. So it doesn't matter if you play in a standard league, a half PPR league, a full PPR league. This is by far the number one fantasy asset available right now. In fact, if we were to redraft today, I do believe even in this world of people loving to draft wide receivers early and Justin Jefferson still being great, CMC would be the number one pick in every single league. I mean, imagine like we just talked about the Bengals, Marcus. You could have been taking Jamar Chase at pick three or Christian McCaffrey. That's a huge difference. I mean, so that matters a lot. Yes, we hope that the Bengals eventually get back on track, but even if they do with this utilization, there's just no way that Jamar Chase can catch CMC. It would have to come down to being a health thing. So if you have CMC on your fantasy team, obviously you don't need us to tell you to start him, but you should just feel even better than you did when you took him uh, whenever you drafted this summer.
0: Yeah, before you can, you know, let everybody know on your league's message boards and uh, on social media or what have you just uh, you know thumb your nose at people because you were smarter to take christian mccaffrey where others might have avoided him uh, of course as we look around the nfl everybody wants to project what is going to happen going forward i mean that's the whole point of what we do here and one of those things we always like to project is who is the best team in the NFL, this was the topic we were sort of kicking around before the show in Friedman. It seemed like you were chomping at the bit uh, to get to the question, are the Dallas
1: Cowboys the best team in the National Football League? So the floor is yours, sir. All right. So if you look at the betting market, uh, their spread this week, their spread next week, and you kind of triangulate, you can see what the betting market is saying with all of these teams, how it power rates them. And the Cowboys are power rated as the number one team in the league. And that was also the case last week. And it's not like they did anything to disappoint, right? Their point differential is unreal. They have scored 70 points more than any other team in the league. They've allowed only 10 points, fewer points than any other team in the league. Like that combination is unreal. And it's probably going to continue because they have a really nice matchup this week against the Arizona Cardinals, who, if they're not the worst team in the league, certainly. Uh, are graded as if they're one of the worst teams in the league. Here is the thing: the Cowboys are not the best team until Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are kicked out of the playoffs watching the Super Bowl on their couch. Right. Like no other team can claim to be the best team while Patrick Mahomes is still alive and playing with a right arm. Uh, one day we will be able to tell our grandkids that we had the pleasure of betting on Patrick Mahomes as an underdog in the super bowl. All right. He is, I think the best quarterback of all time. No, the Cowboys are not the best team. This is still a sport that is driven mainly by quarterbacks and head coaches and the Cowboys for all of the roster talent that they have. They have a guy at the top in Jerry Jones, who's one of the most meddlesome owners in the league and who on his own is kind of capable of destroying and poisoning a roster. And underneath him, he has Mike McCarthy, who uh, I don't want to say is a talent deficient play caller, but who has a highly questionable record of maximizing the offensive talent with which he has been gifted. So I am going to enjoy the Cowboys ride as a Cowboys fan, a self-loathing Cowboys fan. I'm going to enjoy their ride to the playoffs. I hope they get to the Super Bowl. And then I'm going to curse myself whenever they inevitably lose. Can we
0: clip that? That was the most eloquent takedown of Mike McCarthy I think I've ever heard. Can we like clip that and make that a social media thing? That was absolutely amazing. Um, The one thing we cannot quibble with, with the Cowboys is their defense. They have been lights out the first couple weeks of the season. Ian, has it gotten to a point where you are making start-sit decisions based on the fact that the Cowboys are the next opponent on the schedule?
2: It's certainly a tiebreaker, man. And I think sometimes with matchup-specific data, we fall into the trap of, you know, looking just at small edges, you know, the 11th-ranked rush defense and this and that. But when we can really find a team that is separating a true outlier, like the Cowboys right now, that is where things get difficult. So as Freeman said, you know, with these two matchups coming up against poor Joshua Dobbs and Mac Jones, don't think we have too many fantasy players in those offenses that we're all that worried about anyway. But seriously, guys, I mean, just on the Mahomes and kind of Chiefs point of things, What's the most normal we've ever seen Patrick Mahomes look? Well, probably that Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, where we had pass rushers breathing down his neck every single second of that game. And poor Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, that's all we saw during these first two weeks of the year. There's a stat that I absolutely love called Havoc Rate. Basically, you take everything that has to do with havoc, tackles for a loss, interceptions, forced fumbles, pressures and pass deflections, things of that nature, and divide it by plays. Usually a rate above 50% is really good. This year there's nine teams above 50%. Eight of them are between 51% and 59%. The Cowboys are at 80% right now. It is absolutely unlike anything we've seen. They're first in pressure and they're first in contested target rate. So even if you do happen to stave off Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence for a few seconds, there's a good chance that Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore are going to be sticking to that receiver when the ball finally gets there. And they're even allowing under four yards per carry right now. So I see Freeman's point. I probably as well would bet on the Chiefs over the Cowboys if it came down to one game at the end of the year. Hard to bet against that guy, Patrick Mahomes. I get it. But based on what we've seen through these two weeks, number one scoring offense, number one scoring defense, give me the Cowboys as the best team in the NFL at this very second. And that defense is going to keep causing problems for fantasy managers.
0: They look great right now, obviously a long way to go in this season, but it is hard to find somebody who has played as well as the Cowboys uh, through the first two weeks of the year. Obviously, next up on the schedule for them is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Ian made a reference to Josh Dobbs there. I mean, Dwayne, is there anybody on the Redbirds roster that you would consider starting in fantasy this week?
3: Absolutely not. (laughs) I don't start Cardinals anyway. (laughs) If you're going to start one, like if you're forced, it's going to be James Conner just because we know that he's going to be on the field all the time. And I will say, like kind of back to a lot of the points Ian just made around Havoc and other things, uh, I know the Cowboys are or doing well as a rush defense, but like just watching them every week, like the one chance you have is to try to get the run game going and tire out the pass rush, get it to where they can't be so focused on, you know, just pinning their ears back and coming after, you know, your quarterback. So I think they try to use James Connor. Will it be successful? I don't know. I would rather not use any players. I, I'm not touching the receivers um, at all this weekend, even though the Cardinals probably are going to be trailing. I don't think that's really going to help you much from a fantasy perspective. So absolute pinch. And if I had to use James Conner as my RB2, I would. But if I have other options, I would definitely turn to them
0: pretty sure one of my rosters is in said pinch, so I think James <laughs> Conner is going to be there. Uh, we will make it work as best we can uh, with James Conner in our fantasy lineup. One thing we are definitely making work is our partnership with WebEx by Cisco, the new technology and collaboration partner of Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. And uh, Ian, you have a lot of goodness uh, that you can help tell us about with WebEx.
2: Yeah, shout out Webex, my favorite company out there, not even because of all the help they give us with video collaboration and just things of that nature, but will you guys look at this thing, the Cisco Board Pro 75, like I am already the most popular person in my new neighborhood because of this, and by popular, I mean, they're probably just jealous staring through my blindless windows right now and seeing this thing every single day, but seriously, guys, from whiteboarding to mock drafts to me firing up NCAA football 14 on it, the possibilities are limitless. You can hook up your laptop with a USB cord and literally just start. Start messing around and doing whatever you want to do on this board. So I've had Dwayne's fabulous hair and 75 inches of pure HD going on in my living room. You look good up there, Dwayne. I'm not going to lie, man. You got it going. But seriously, in addition to everything that WebEx and again, their awesome Cisco Board Pro 75 offers, really, really cool event coming up here, guys. WebEx One, it's going to be a groundbreaking two-day event with celebrity speaker Robert De Niro the freaking goat himself, as well as Neil deGrasse Tyson and one other pretty big name. Uh, oh yeah, CEO of Fantasy Life, Elliot Christ. Talk about a freaking trio right there. So hopefully Elliot can, you know, I hope he's writing the speech right now, guys. Like, can you imagine, like, we got to talk about fantasy football. Elliot's got to go up after Neil deGrasse Tyson and freaking Robert De Niro and try to sound as smart as those guys. So this is going to be in Anaheim on October 24th through October 26th. And seriously, guys, the amount of just different AI innovations and brand new collaboration hardware they have. I understand, you know, maybe everyone doesn't need a 75-inch HD screen hanging out. So many more products, so many more usages that are going to be fully on display over there at webx One. So lucky, for, luckily for all of you listeners of Fancy Life can get 50% off full pass tickets. All you got to do is use code WX1, WOW50. Again, that's WX1, WOW50 for 50% off full passes. Go check out De Niro, you know, Degrassi, Tyson, Elliot, Chris, guys. What's better than this?
0: Time now to check in on what's going on, specifically what's going on with Detroit Lions rookie running back Jameer Gibbs, a guy that you probably spent a good amount of draft capital to get on your fantasy roster this year, and so you were likely disappointed when he didn't see all that many snaps in week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. Saw a little bit more work in week two, but Ian, it looks like the floodgates may potentially open in week three with David Montgomery banged up. Can we expect more touches, more snaps, more opportunities
2: for Jameer Gibbs. Sure looks like that way, man. I mean, when you do look at Gibbs, it's kind of giving us some flashbacks of a, you know, pass explosive, pass catching running back, not getting used as much as fancy managers would have preferred. But the good news with Gibbs is like the few touches he has had has made the absolute most out of him right now. Six and missed tackles forced per touch among all running backs with at least 15 combined carries and targets. So again, he's looked great with the ball in his hands. And to your point with Dave Montgomery, probably missing time with his thigh bruise should mean more touches. So we'll probably still see a little bit more Craig Reynolds we prefer but at this point looking at Gibbs as the true 1A in this backfield should be more than a fantasy friendly opportunity to go around inside of an offense that was fifth in scoring last year's 10th this year and should have more good days ahead so also don't forget Amon Ross St. Brown dealing with that toe injury don't really have many more avenues to go with the football in this point you better have a darn good reason to have Gibbs anywhere near that fantasy bench moving forward and if you do maybe it's time to get out of those six man leagues. I think that's probably a good point right there. Uh, You know, Friedman,
0: uh, we saw how explosive Jameer Gibbs was in that week one opportunity, but there's no accounting sometimes for what NFL coaches want to do. Ian brought up the name Craig Reynolds. Should we be concerned that maybe Dan Campbell goes a little bit sideways on us this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, the matchup this week is great going against the Falcons defense. That was one of the worst in run defense last year. So the matchup is there, but you know, that might mean Craig Reynolds gets a little bit of that work. And we saw him coming in in relief of David Montgomery last week and get a decent amount of the work. But I think the absence of David Montgomery gives Gibbs a pretty solid floor with a significant ceiling uh, just in the event that they do choose to use him a little bit more and give him a workload that is commensurate with his draft capital. But, we should be a little bit worried about Craig Reynolds. And the offensive line also has some injuries that should be taken into account as well.
0: I mean, just every time we think we have everything lined up, some coach decides they're going to outthink all of us and go the other way, which, you know, that's why this game is so frustrating. This fantasy football game is so frustrating. But speaking of players with solid floors, and potentially higher ceilings, that gets us to a little bit of buy low, sell high. And Dwayne, let's start with Kyron Williams, because he has pretty much made Cam Akers expendable in Los Angeles with the way he's played the first couple of weeks. Uh, is this a I know you like to talk about maybe buying high on guys. Is this a potential buy high opportunity with Kyron Williams?
3: I think it is. I mean, for this season, if you're playing in Dynasty, I think the move on Kyron Williams, you could still argue, is to move him. And this might be the the best value you're ever going to get for him. I actually saw a couple of trades go down last night where Kyron got moved in Dynasty League. So there's definitely some value that you could probably squeeze there. But as far as season long goes, like I just look at the depth chart for the Rams, like they're going to have to make a trade for Kyron Williams to really be removed from this role. And let me just give you some data here, Marcus. So is this Kyron Williams or Christian McCaffrey I'm talking about? 97% of the snaps, 78% of the rushing attempts, 80% route participation, 100% 100% of the two-minute offense, 100% of the short down-of-distance work. Yeah, it sounds like CMC. That's Kyron Williams' role last weekend with Cam Akers out. Now, it does sound like the Rams want to move on from Cam Akers, and as long as he is inactive, I don't see anyone else they can turn here Turn two here, they have Ronnie Rivers. They've got Royce Freeman on their practice squad. The question is, really, Marcus, can he hold up to this kind of workload? This is a 194-pound back. We have seen guys in the past, like Jamal Charles, show that they can do this. Guys like Austin Eckler were not rocked up at like 210 pounds when they came in the league. Austin Eckler was also under 200 pounds when he first started getting a larger workload. So we have seen guys do it. That kind of goes back to the Jameer Gibbs conversation as well a minute ago, another guy under 200 pounds. But I think the other thing here is the Rams are kind of evolving their offense, Marcus. I don't think they want to pound Kyron Williams between the tackles all the time. He's going to get his carries, but they want to get the offense spread out. They want to spread these defenses out. They want to use him in the passing game. Last week, he had a 19% targets per route run. He was second on the team in targets behind Puka Nakua. So I do think he is a guy we want to buy high on because the Rams offense is truly clicking.
1: I
0: mean, Friedman, did we forget last year how good Sean McVay's offenses can be cuz the Rams were so i mean they had in, a bunch of injuries they were so awful did we just kind of forget did we space out on what what this could uh, could be offensively
1: yeah, absolutely. In the best uh, of world scenarios, I was thinking entering the season that maybe the Rams would be a league average team, and a lot of that had to do with all right. Well, if you have Sean McVay and he's his normal McVay self, and you have Matthew Stafford healthy, and you have Cooper Cup in there, and you know the offensive line stays healthy, then you know maybe this is a pretty decent unit. But they're number ten in EPA through two weeks without Cooper Cup there. I mean, they could be an absolute wagon whenever he returns. So I'm not looking to sell at all anything to do with this offense.
0: So we know how things are going in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, things are sort of going sour in New York with the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers and trying to make things work with Justin Fields. The fallout, or with Justin—or with Zach Wilson, sorry. I'm uh, getting ahead of myself here. I'm trying to make it work with Zach Wilson there. Uh, the fallout, uh, I'm all turned around right now. Don't mind me. The, the fallout, though, has been Garrett Wilson, Dwayne. Um, we, we're sort of hoping things can sort of stay together, but I think it's sort of a sort of nervous time for anybody with Garrett Wilson on their roster.
3: Yeah, for sure, and it's tough because... We love Garrett Wilson. He's one of the best young wide receivers in the league. So we want to be excited about him. We want him to be a top wide receiver. And I think what we've seen, like if you're a dynasty manager, 30% target share so far this year, like he has future top six potential. Here's the challenge. You're now playing on a team that does not want to throw the ball right? If we look even after adjusting for game scripts, like the Jets are going to throw the ball less than the league average, even when they get into trailing situations, the Cowboys forced them to pass last week and they were still under expectation versus what the league would have done in that same game. They're only only averaging 49 and a half dropbacks per game. Like that's nothing. Then you have to add on the fact that Zach Wilson is dead last in 55% completion rate. So this is a guy that, is going to be seeing far less targets than what we would have seen with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be a less efficient offense. Less of his targets are going to be catchable. Last weekend, only 44% of Garrett Wilson's targets were catchable. And so once you do the math on all that, Marcus, and you just add it all up and look at what it's going to be over the course of the season, I think Garrett Wilson will struggle to get to 80 catches now. I think you're looking at a guy that's going to be between 60 and 70 catches. He's still going to give you some big weeks because he's got that big playability. He showed you against Dallas, one catch, and he can make your fantasy day but you can't do that every week. It's not going to be sustainable. And he's going to have a lot of weeks where he's going to have six targets and only going to have two catches. It's going to be 30 yards. I think right now is the time to sell because people still saw that big play last week. I think he's more of a mid-range wide receiver three that's going to be a boom bust play. But right now, fantasy rankers across the industry still have him in that wide receiver 20 range. So that means that the market is off. You might even still be able to get someone that thinks that, hey, he's that wide receiver one talent we drafted two weeks ago. And so I would definitely kick the tires on it in your league.
0: Well, we're certainly hoping Garrett Wilson can pull some things together. But while we're talking about former Ohio State Buckeyes, Matthew Berry, Golden Tate, driving by to talk a little bit about Justin
4: Fields and uh, what we can expect from him going forward. All right, thank you, Marcus. Now, I'm here with somebody who knows a little something about playing with young quarterbacks. Golden Tate, all-pro wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, and most importantly, Golden, I wanted to bring in you on this particular topic because you played with Russell Wilson when he was a rookie. You played with Daniel Jones when he was a rookie. And so now we're seeing Justin Fields in his third year in the NFL. He's struggling a little bit. So you've seen the good and the bad because it wasn't always roses with Russell his his rookie year. And certainly Daniel Jones, it took a while before he found himself in New York. So talk to me a little bit about Justin Fields. Let's be clear here. Justin Fields In week number two was the 21st quarterback in fantasy football. He was outside the top 20. He's had under 15 fantasy points in both games this year. And what's most concerning, I think, is not just that the the passing uh, game isn't working for Chicago. It's the fact that Justin Fields isn't running. Career low in rush attempts and rushing yards in week two. He had only four attempts for three yards. So talk to me a little bit about what you see from Justin Fields Was this just a bad day at the office, on the road at Tampa Bay, Florida heat in the September, or are there larger concerns here around Justin Fields' season long?
5: To me personally, there's larger concerns. I haven't seen the jump that I would like to have seen from him as a passer, for sure. Um, But also his technique and footwork has not been very good, really, at all. Um, And when you mix that in with the offensive coordinator really not designing runs, uh for him it's it's kind of a disaster over there they brought in guys like uh dj moore um to take pressure off of you know field so i did know going into the season they didn't want him to run the ball as much as as he did at the end of the year last year because that's just not sustainable in my opinion as a quarterback uh, and a franchise type player but i I need to see more out of Uh, i have a little bit more patience uh with them because that quarterback position is tough and i know that he's going to find a groove at some point We just hope it's sooner rather than later before we all lose hope. But I've been very unimpressed by his performance as a whole. And really that entire Bears offense, including the offensive coordinator.
4: Yeah, it's been bad. And, And like you see some of the tape and you're just like, he's missing. why. And I don't know if it's just he's not going through his progressions or they're calling the wrong play or him and the receivers aren't on the same field. But it does seem like weirdly it feels like he's taken a step back this year. Uh, in terms of his progression as just an NFL quarterback. Forget fantasy for a second, but like you see some of these screenshots on social media or you watch the games, and you're like, that guy's open. Why, why, why is the ball not going to that guy? How, is, how are you missing the routes? Why are you misreading the defense? I think he's been thrown into a tough situation, and I'm with you, Golden. I do think better days are ahead, but they've got to get there quickly. I think fantasy-wise, now they're playing at Kansas City this week. And I think the hope is if if you're starting Justin Fields, you're hoping that, you know what? Hey, we saw the Chiefs and we saw the impact that Chris Jones had for that Kansas City defensive line. We're hoping Chris Jones gets after it and Justin Fields has to start running for his life, which gives us those fantasy points that we need so desperately. But I'll tell you this, what I'm doing in the leagues where I have Justin Fields, I'm not dropping him, but I'm also not starting him until I see it. I'm seeing what's available on the waiver wire. I'm looking elsewhere I, at the moment, this is a guy that was drafted as a top seven fantasy quarterback, and he just hasn't been there. I think I need to see it before I'm willing to put him back in my lineup. So he's a hold on my bench for me, but I'm not starting until further notice.
5: Yeah, and I think that is the best way to do it. Look for other options. Um, and, and if you were to start him before he, you know, showed you anything, I would be doing it against a team that has a really bad defense. Uh, and that's when I would maybe expect him to something to click, because it's a little bit easier. But you know, going against the. Uh the chiefs this week is not going to be any easy task. And the best case scenario is that he tries to keep up with the scoreboard that their, their offense is going to be lighting up the Kansas City chiefs. And he just says, you know, screw it. I got to do what I got to do. I'm going to take off, run running, make something happen. And maybe he ends up getting 10 carries off of designed and scrambles. And, you know, if they get, you know, if they can get to the four to five yard line, you know, I I don't think he's that great of a pass right now. Maybe he just tucks in and runs and you still touch down or two. And then, you know, we're all, well, you won't be happy because he's probably going to be on your bench, but, you know, maybe the people who've had faith are are okay with it.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for a Daniel Jones-like resurrection. I mean, Daniel Jones was absolutely brutal fantasy-wise in week number one. Didn't look great in the first half against Arizona, but a monster second half against Arizona in week number two winds up as the number one quarterback in fantasy for week number two. We know Justin Fields has that potential in him if he can just start running, if he can start connecting with DJ Moore the way we saw him do somewhat in practice. But uh, no question, there's cause for concern from both Golden and myself. If there are two positives, we've seen him do it before, and this Bears defense is bad. So he, in theory... Should be having to throw to keep up? So, uh, Golden, good luck to you in week number three. Uh, You know, here's hoping that Justin Fields does what Daniel Jones and Russell Wilson, your old quarterbacks did when they struggled as rookies. They got it together and became fantasy superstars. So, uh, Golden, I'll see you next week. And now I'm going to throw it back to my friend, Marcus Grant.
0: We are not just about the fantasy life here, we're also about the betting life. And by the way, you can go to fantasylife.com and sign up for a pair of newsletters. You can get the fantasy life newsletter, you can get the betting life newsletter. Both of them come to your inbox every single day for the low, low price of free 99. But as we talk about that, we gotta go to our own resident ace Rothstein. It is Matthew Friedman with his best
1: bets of the week. So Friedman, what do you like this week? Yeah, I've got two. One of them is truly disgusting. I like the Cardinals plus 12 and a half hosting the Cowboys. We talked about the Cowboys earlier. I wouldn't recommend watching this game. I wouldn't even bet it right away. I'd wait closer to kickoff, maybe you get a better line, but the Cardinals have been a feisty and competitive team. They lost in weeks one and two, but they still covered in both games. You know, we talked about the run defense earlier of the Cowboys. They've been good at limiting big plays, but they've consistently allowed positive plays. Number 23 in rush success rate. I think with running back James Conner, The Cardinals are going to have a slow, run-heavy attack that slows the game down just enough for them to get the cover. And I talked about this in the Monday Betting Life newsletter. 0-2 underdogs are 59-42-2 against the spread over the past 20 years, so it is a good situational buy-low spot for them. And then the other game, the Steelers plus 3 at the Raiders. This is on Sunday night football. Uh, I got this at 3 it's two and a half in the market. I still like it at that number. The, the Steelers. I mean, they've been terrible on offense. Qu- quarterback Kenny Pickett. I mean, he's been atrocious. Offensive coordinator Matt Canada barely deserves to have a job. But. The offense has had two really tough matchups against the 49ers and the Browns. And that's not the case this week. The Raiders are number 31 in defensive EPA success rate and DVOA. You know, the Steelers have a chance to get going in this spot and their defense is good enough to keep them in the game. And then finally, you know, there's the massive difference in the coaching competency between head coach Mike Tomlin for the Steelers and Raiders coach Josh McDaniels. Under Tomlin, the Steelers, as underdogs, absolutely crush 54-31-4 and against the spread for his career. I think they do just enough to keep this game close. And honestly, I would bet this at a pick'em. I kind of have the Steelers projected as favorites. I, I like them to win.
0: There you go. That's what Matthew Friedman likes this week. And that gets us to a brand new thing we're doing here on the Fantasy Live Show. A little thing we're calling just teasing. I was half expecting Zach Morris and AC Slater to show up somewhere in that little teaser. But uh, Friedman, enlighten me, please, sir. What is a teaser?
2: So a teaser is a specific kind of parlay bet. No, 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 no. We're not doing this. We're not letting the guy who doesn't bet teasers and ridicules me for betting and winning a teaser, by the way, last week. Explain what a teaser is. Take this round out, Matthew. I got this. When you want to put together a teaser, everyone, what you do is you pick, you know, it could be two games, it could be four games, it could be more games, and you get to take six to seven points or buy more if you want to, typically six to seven off of those games to help build a teaser parlay of sorts and to increase those odds as always. So me personally, you know, really having a fun time, you know, getting 18 beers from Friedman last week, still haven't seen him show up. Could be an issue with the delivery service. I don't know. I'm not going to ask any questions about that just yet. But getting those together, winning money, it's a great time, Matthew. Do you know anything about that or?
1: No, I, I like to lose. Losing is my favorite, uh, but I, I do have it accounted for. The 18 beers coming to you, it's on a tab uh, though. So we'll we'll put it all together at the end of the season.
2: I kid I kid that is very fair but yeah guys one and one on the season now with the four team teaser squads I tried to get Freeman to come in with me this week but he is unfortunately scared to compete so don't worry your boys got you for this week guys we're going with the 49ers Thursday night football bumping that from minus 10 up to minus 3 against a badly banged up Giants team without Andrew Thomas without Saquon Barkley and honestly even if they were playing them give me this absolutely loaded 49ers squad against an overrated giants team titans plus three we get them at plus 10 now against the browns honestly i think the titans are very live pure money line in this one browns and deshaun watson haven't looked right all season long give me mike vrabel and the guys keeping this one close if not winning outright jaguars minus nine and a half up from minus two and a half against the texans once again come on jacks texans don't need to even explain that one forward perfect get right spot for trevor lawrence and company and finally guys banged up Joe burrow. Will he even play? Well, let's go ahead and bend the Rams to find out plus nine and a half now down from plus two and a half. So Freeman, anything to say here, other than just that's a lot of stuff that probably will go wrong, but you know, it did go all right for me last week. So that, that happened.
1: Yeah. Amazingly. I don't dislike this as much as your last one, but I will still book it. If you want to run it back, Uh, 18 beers to 10 beers, if you are interested in that action,
2: Drew locking in baby plus 180. let's go.
1: All right, let's do this. I actually, I do like the, uh, the tease with the Rams there. And, you know, we should do a, a teaser, a two leg teaser, uh, just the two of us. And we'll do the traditional six points. So I will take the, an underdog teasing them and you will take a favorite. You tend to do the favorites here. Uh, but I will do the Rams here. I think that's the smart thing, you know, going through the key numbers of three and seven, I think significant value there on locking the Rams in now, because this number could move even Further, you know, once Burrow is declared out, and I think he probably will be like the Rams could close his favorites.
2: So love the value here. Every now and then, you do say some smart things, Freeman. I will give you that. My favorite is going to be the Miami Dolphins to a tackle by Loa, MVP favorite, which I will say, Freeman, you did call out yourself as a nice bet back in July, I believe, in one of the great Fancy Life newsletters that Marcus brought up. So good call by you right there. Going up against the Broncos team, that it's like they cracked 30 points and everyone acts like it's a miracle. And it kind of was a miracle that they cracked 30 points in the first place, thanks to that Hail Mary. So at home in Miami, I just don't see a way how the Broncos keep this close, Give the Dolphins at minus a half point after we get that down from six and a half. You
1: know, Ian, I like it. Let's just go ahead and cash it now. I think this is a winner. Come on. Joanne, you in? Is there a problem? I'm,
3: I'm in. I'm in. If you guys tell me I should be in, you know, I can't bet in my state, but I'm in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> there it is we have found harmony here amongst everybody here uh, on the fantasy live show so uh, best of luck gentlemen we'll see how things shake out this weekend but uh, as we get ready to wrap things up we do want to make our prime time picks we do have four prime time games this week thursday night football the giants in santa Clara to take on the 49ers sunday night football the steelers head to vegas to take on the raiders and we've got another monday night double header it's the eagles in tampa to take on the buccaneers and the rams traveling to cincinnati to face the Bengals in a rematch of the super bowl from a couple seasons ago so we'll go around the horn dwayne who do you like in the, the games this weekend
3: yeah i've got the 49ers i mean ian was just talking about it like the the giants like oh like they've just really struggled. I mean, they nearly lost that game to the Cardinals last week, so I don't think there's any competition for the 49ers this week. The Sunday night football game, like, that should be a good game. I mean, theoretically, looking at both sides of it, it should be close. But I'm going to go with the home team. I know I kind of thought about changing my mind, you know, sitting there listening to a, a, a sharp guy like Friedman, But just looking at how bad Kenny Pickett's been, like this is the worst graded offense over at PFF, dead last for the Steelers. So he really needs to show me something. So give me the Raiders at home. And then I will take the Eagles. No surprise over the Buccaneers. It's just the better team, even though the Bucs have been very scrappy. So like if you're wanting to, you know, have fun with one and pick an underdog, like that would be the one I would choose. But I'm going with the Eagles. And then I will take the Rams straight up,
2: even if Joe Burrow plays. Ian, who do you like this week? Yeah, you guys heard me talk about the 49ers and Rams already. So yes, locking in those squads. And then with the Raiders going up against the Steelers here, I mean, I saw a chart before we got going, guys, just in terms of like EPA per pass and EPA per run. And you see all the teams, you know, muddled around the middle. And then the far bottom left corner, you just see the Steelers sitting there. So hats off to Matt Canada. Don't think they're going to get two defensive touchdowns each and every time they go out there. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, might not be the sexiest player out there. We can talk about his good looks another time. But in terms of leading, high octane efficient passing game it's always done his entire career so give me the Raiders and then with the Eagles over the Bucks, like hey fun story Buccaneers country I love you guys baking and everything that's great but come on guys it's the Eagles Jalen Hurts in a run game that got right in a major way last week I think the Eagles take care of the Bucks and make it look easy As
0: for me, I am going to take the 49ers as well on Thursday Night Football. I think they are just too talented, too loaded to deal with a Giants team that I don't think is going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, On Sunday Night Football, give me the Steelers going to Las Vegas and getting the win on the road. I think the Defensive Player of the Year race right now, it's a two-horse race at this point. It's Micah Parsons, it's TJ Watt. I think Watt continues to create havoc, gives Jimmy Garoppolo and that Raiders offense all they can handle. and Maybe that's just enough to get them a win at Allegiant Stadium. I am going to take the Eagles going down to Tampa on Monday Night Football. It has been fun to watch the Buccaneers get some things done early in the season, but Philly is just the flat-out better team, uh, and I think they take the victory there. And I'll finish it out by taking the Rams. They beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I think they beat the Bengals again. This time they may have the luxury of going after Cincinnati without Joe Burrow throwing the football there, so I think that gives them a little bit of an advantage. Uh, and the Rams get to 2-1 and one and kind of stake their claim as a team to be watching out
1: for in the nfc playoff race uh friedman round us out here All right. I mean, the 49ers on Thursday night football, that just feels like something that is inevitable. So definitely backing them there on Sunday night football. I talked about it before the Steelers and, you know, people have mentioned how terrible they are on offense. That's right. They are terrible, but they can't be as terrible as they have been for the entirety of the season. I think they get just a little bit better uh, going against a Raiders defense. That is, I wouldn't say abominable, but pretty close to it. Uh, The Eagles, you know, I I think they handle business there. And then I know what the graphic says. It says, I'm going, With the Rams, but I'm getting up to the line of scrimmage. I'm calling an audible. I'm flipping it. I'm going with the Bengals, you know, gaining some leverage on the field. Everyone else is picking the Rams here, so I'm going to gain some leverage. I'm going to try to thread that needle, and I'm going to hope that on the teaser that we have, that uh, the Rams cover, but that the Bengals win outright.
0: Friedman taking advantage of going last for a little bit of gamesmanship here in the switching up at the last Is that minute. even allowed? <laughs> <The Bengals>. Yes. <laughs> I don't wow. know, man, but you know part of me doesn't wow. part of me doesn't hate it a whole lot. Like I, you know, I appreciate taking advantage of the situation there. That's exactly uh what Matthew Friedman Friedman's did. first Hopefully next week. That's what you I Exactly. I think we do yeah. with Jordan. Jordan. Let, let's make let's make Friedman go first next week.
1: So he doesn't have that, uh, you know, that that advantage over. He's me. done it twice. I now. was first. Uh, hopefully I was first in the outline, which means I get to go last in the ordering of the show. No, that's not. You're what last I mean. in
0: all
3: of our hearts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. Uh, Also, it was an amazing day, an amazing show today, and uh, I'm certainly glad that you all were a part of it. Uh, Interacting with us, hopefully we made you smarter, and hopefully we entertained you as well. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Live Show. We appreciate you hanging out with us. For Ian Harditz, Dwayne McFarlane, Matthew Friedman, my name is Marcus Grant. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week.